Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Good morning, Gromlaw Church. My name is Melissa and I am the Next Steps Director around here. My job is to help you get connected. I love what I do. I love helping people step into community. And I also love giving and um, teaching God's word. And so I have the privilege of being able to do that this morning. And I love that we have a church that allows people to use their gifts and their talents. And I get to close us out our nine week ecclesiology series. So if you are joining us today and you're new, we just wanna say welcome. We're really, really glad that you decided to watch us this morning. And you don't have to worry if you've missed it uh, because we're gonna talk about where we have been and then where we're going uh, with this message. We're gonna do a quick review before we jump in to that. Um, so we have been talking about ecclesiology. What is ecclesiology? It is the doctrine pertaining to the Christian church. It's what we believe as followers of Jesus. It's the non-negotiable truths of the Christian faith as outlined in scripture. This doctrine isn't dictated by our personal held values or beliefs, nor is it swayed by the opinion of culture. It's the stuff that we just don't budge on. If you call yourself a Christian, it's the beliefs that you should know and be able to clearly articulate. Well, if you're someone who's watching this morning and you're just exploring faith in Jesus, it's the beliefs that you should know up front. Because my guess is that you tuned in this morning because you're looking for truth. And I am confident that it is the change, unchanging truth that you want to know. And what we know that that comes from, it's one of those core beliefs, and we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, um, is the Bible. It's God's written and inspired word. It's one of those core beliefs in Christianity. God wrote it, and it's true, and my feelings towards it are secondary to the reality of that truth. As men and women, we don't get to define our own truth as popular as that may be in culture today. Really what that is, is it's a lie of secularism, and it leaves us empty. And it may be that exact feeling that something's missing or something's just not right that led you to tune in this morning. And I'm confident it's a search for real, unchanging, absolute truth that brought you here. So in a nutshell, that's what we've been exploring. I encourage you to check out grumlaw.com slash messages. I know it's been a nine week series, so you don't have to go back and watch all of them, but go back and look. If you missed a few, watch the ones that you've missed. Or if you're curious, like, what does she mean about the Bible? I wanna know more about that. You can go back and just watch that week. I promise you that it will be a good use of your time. All right, so that's where we've been, where we're going today. We're gonna close out our series talking about eschatology. All right, another big word, but it's really just the study of end times and how fitting that we end with the end, right? So eschatology broken down, we're gonna break down the word, it's eschaton, which is belief about the end of the word and ology, we all know this, right? Because we study biology, it just means the study 
of. So eschatology is the study of end times, which includes death, the afterlife, judgment, the millennium, heaven, hell, and Jesus's second coming. Now, obviously in a 30 minute message, we can't hit all of these subjects. And there are some points within this list that not all Christians agree about. Not every point here is, is written out super clearly in the Bible and time stamped so that we can know for sure. And to be honest, on the points where Christians don't agree, I have heard both sides argued very, very well and could both could be backed up with scripture. So my goal this morning is to present you with what is clear and what is most important as a follower of Jesus to understand and believe as it relates to the end times. I want to present the core truth to you. I want to present what I'm going to call this morning backbone truth. It's the truth that undergirds all aspects of our faith. And what do I mean by backbone? I once heard a wise Bible teacher say that there are some truths in Christianity, which are backbone or spine issues. And then others where, you know, we could talk about them or debate them and it's not clear cut in scripture. Those are the rib issues. You see, you could live without a few ribs, but you can't live without a backbone. You can't live without a spine. So some of those may be rib issues. There are some Christians who say, you know what? Saturday is the Sabbath and so they meet for church on Saturday. There are some who say, no, we should meet on Sunday for church because that's what the early church did and it marks the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So that would be, when do you meet at church? On a Saturday or a Sunday? That's a rib issue. That's not a salvation issue. A Jesus is the only way to salvation. We would call that in Christianity a core or a backbone issue. The rib issues we can debate until Jesus comes home. But today we're going to talk about the core beliefs regarding death, the afterlife, judgment, heaven, hell, and Jesus's second coming. But before we do this, I want to address this. Many times our first reaction to death is fear. Right from the get-go, I want you to know something about God's character. Perhaps you already know this, but now would be a good time to remind you of this truth. God is good, He is kind, and He's loving. God, your heavenly Father, loves you. And in His kindness, He has given us His word so that we can read it for ourselves, so that we can know His love for us. He has told us in advance what would happen so that we wouldn't have a reason to be afraid of the future. So if you are afraid of death, afraid of what would happen to you, afraid of the end times, I know there's some of you, you read all those left behind books, you got hooked on that series, I know, or some of you like me were like kind of, like tortured by watching one of those movies about the rapture in middle school. You know, I did that in youth group, yep. So if that's you and you have a little bit of fear because of maybe what you've heard before, I'm glad that you're watching this morning because I believe that today is going to put your fears at rest. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free and free even from fear. And I want us to look at the end times without 
being afraid. John tells us there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And the Greek word for love here is God's perfect, complete love. The word is actually agape. And the agape was shown to us in the person of Jesus. God perfectly loved us by sending his son so that we could know truth. God sent his son in the flesh so we could hear, see, know, and believe truth. And it's this perfect agape love that God has for us. So if we know Jesus, who John says is eternal life, right? We're all doing this challenge, reading the book of John. We have no reason to be afraid. There is no fear in perfect love. His love casts out fear. And if you still have a little bit of that fear, you're like, yeah, I should know that, but I still feel a little bit of fear. Well, let's go to this truth, that truth that sets us free. So you can turn this message off and be confident and have no fear. You ready? Let's do this. Eschatology is the study of the end times, which includes death, the afterlife, judgment, heaven, hell, and Jesus's second coming. We're gonna tackle death, the afterlife, and judgment all together. It's with 100% certainty that we will all die. There's never been a cure for this, nor will there ever be. Our bodies will die though, but our humans are not just a body. We are body and soul. That's what scripture tells us. Our physical bodies are going to die and decay. Our souls, however, are eternal. In Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the very first chapter, God tells us how we were created. He says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Mankind was created in the image of God. But God doesn't have a physical body like us. So that's not what scripture is trying to communicate here when it says we were created in God's image. What it's communicating is that we were created in the image of God and that we were given a soul. It's the eternal part of who we are. And this part, our soul will not die. So if it won't die, what will happen to them? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter five, verse 24, he says this, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the son of God and those who listen will live. The father has life in himself and he's granted that's the same life-giving power to his son. And he has given him authority to judge, here's our judgment, everyone because he is the son of man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Our physical bodies will die, our souls will live, and we will all rise to either eternal life or will experience judgment. 
Now I'm gonna honor what I began with in this message about holding true to those backbone, core Christian beliefs, what scripture's clear on, or what's central to the Christian doctrine. So it's this, death will all die, the afterlife, our souls are eternal, judgment, there is a judgment. So now let's look at heaven and hell. Hell is a literal place. Scripture is clear about this. It's described as a place of eternal punishment, the final destination of the enemies of God, a place of eternal suffering, and a place of complete separation from God. And Jesus taught about hell. He taught about it in the Gospels. Matthew 25, 41, he says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, king being God, capital K here, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and for his demons. In Luke 8, 31, um, it says, The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit, um, the word is abyss. It's another word used for hell. And then in Jesus's words again, Matthew 8, 11, it says, I say to you that many will come from east and west and will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, meaning the kingdom of this world, not the kingdom of heaven, will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The book of Revelation also talks um, about hell, and it's the very last book of the Bible. It's actually where we find a lot of our eschatology, where we read about the end times. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7 through 8 says, All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is talking about heaven here. But cowards and unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death also, another reference to hell. In Revelations 12 and 11, it says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. And when it says I here, we're talking about John. You know, we've took, some of you watched um, the message from Ecclesiology on the Bible and Shay gave us the uh, challenge to read the book of John. This is John here. He's an old man now. He's been exiled to an island um, because of his faith. He's all alone, but God gives him this glorious vision of what it's going to be like in the end times. And so John says, I saw this great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire, another word for hell. This lake of fire is the second death and anyone whose name was not recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. But what if your name was found in the book of life? Where will your soul live for eternity? And the answer is heaven. Heaven is also a literal place. It's a place for people who believe the testimony of Jesus. It's a place where those whose name, that's how you get your name written in the book of life, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And I know that this stuff could be really heavy, and so right now, if you're feeling like anxious or irritated and you just want to, I knew that there was something to this I didn't want to hear and you're tempted to, you know, turn off the screen, I, I'm going to just say, 
Just give me a couple more minutes. Maybe just take a deep breath. And I want you to actually, the, the verses here that I'm gonna read to you about heaven, they're not gonna come up on the screen and I did that on purpose. I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to listen to what heaven will be like. It says, then I saw, this is John talking as well, a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb. And no longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspired his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Write these words down for they are trustworthy and true. God says you can take this to the that this is what it will be like in heaven. It will be beauty unending. God will wipe every tear from your eye. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more cancer. There will be nothing left that is of the curse. The curse will be gone and they will be his people and he will be their God and he will see them face to face. That is the promise of eternity in heaven. So death, we're all gonna die. The afterlife, our souls are eternal. Judgment, there is a judgment. Heaven is a literal place and hell is a literal place. So the last thing we're gonna look at is Jesus' second coming. He's coming and he's coming soon. We're just gonna skim the top of this one because the backbone truth here is that Jesus is coming back and he told us himself. Remember I said we don't have to be afraid because God prepared us. He wrote it down in his word so that we could know. Jesus said in John 14, he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home in heaven. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And then going back to Revelation 22, seven, it says, look, 
I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of the prophecy of this book. Jesus is coming back. When? We don't know, right? Scripture tells us that we don't know the day or the hour, but it's soon. And some people say, well, what does soon mean? I don't know. Soon seems so vague. Let me tell you, soon means be prepared. That's what soon means. Matthew, one of the four biographical accounts of the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking very plainly to his disciples. And if you've read any of the gospels, you'll see that Jesus's teaching style is typically parables. They're stories that have this deep spiritual meaning and you kind of have to, you know, think through, use your mind and be like, oh, what did he mean by this? And oftentimes the disciples were confused. And so they had to come back and ask Jesus to explain himself. But in chapter 24, it's not like that. Jesus talks very, very plainly. He says, look, I want you to be prepared. I don't want you to be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to tell you what is going to happen. And so we're going to read a few of those verses. It's not going to come on the screen. If you want to open up to Matthew chapter 24, open up your U version. You can follow along. Jesus says this. It says, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings, but he responded, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Then later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all of this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, all these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. He says, then you'll be arrested, persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of most will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. And then Jesus ends with this. We're gonna jump down to verse 36. He says, however, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. So how then Jesus, if we don't know the time and you've given us the signs, then how do we live until you come? And he tells us in verse 42, so you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the son of man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if this servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other, other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced 
and unexpected and will assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The reality is that Jesus is coming back and that should affect the way that we live our lives. We are to be ready. And I want to end the message here. We all have a choice to make. When the subject of the end times comes up, that's all we've explored today, death, heaven, hell, judgment. When it's discussed, a very, very common pushback to Christianity is the whole hell thing. Like how can a loving God send people to hell? And the problem isn't with the questions because we're free to ask all the questions. In fact, we created Grumlaw to be a safe place where you could ask the questions that you have. So the problem isn't the question. The problem is with the logic of the question. You see, because that question completely pushes away the truth that God sent his one and only son so that no one would ever have to go to hell. God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose whether or not they believe in the son that he sent. The son who took our punishment, the son who paid the penalty and the price that we should pay. You see, God is too good to scare people with hell. He doesn't need to scare people with it. He's so good that he gave his only so that we would never know what it was like. We would never experience separation from God. We would spend eternity in that beautiful place where God will be our God and we will be his people. But you see, it's a choice. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Jesus is talking and he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And man, we could spend an entire message just digging through that scripture. But what I want you to see here is that the word choose. We choose. We have a choice. And God in his kindness is patient, wishing that none would perish. In fact, that's the reason why Jesus hasn't returned yet. We just read that in Matthew chapter 24. He is still waiting. God in his patience, in his kindness is holding back all of the punishment that is coming. He is waiting for that very last person to hear about who his son is and accept him. He's perhaps waiting for you, for you to say, I believe. For you to say, you know what? I have tried life on my own. And I love how Shay puts it. He says, hasn't your own life proven that you're not a very good God? We have a choice to make. We can accept or we can deny the truth. John, in his very first chapter, John 1:12 says, but to all who believed him, and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. Children with eternal security of heaven with their heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father God, we know that this stuff 
is hard. There's so much. There's so much more that could have been said, so many more scriptures that we could have read and dug through together. And Father, I pray that those who right now whose heads are spinning, maybe they're feeling anxiety or fear, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall right now wherever they are and there would be a peace. If we know your Son, Jesus, there is no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And so God, we just ask, I, if there is anyone out there who feels afraid because they don't know you, that today would be the day that they just say, I want a different future. I came here looking for truth. I got that truth. And now I choose to believe. I choose to take the narrow road. Father, if there's anyone who has never proclaimed that you are their Lord and their Savior, it's just as easy as saying, Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you took my place. You took the penalty that I deserve. But you didn't just die. You're not a dead God, you're alive. You rose from the grave and you are living. And I believe it. And the best part yet is that you're coming back for us. Thank you, Jesus. I believe. And Lord, if anyone prayed that prayer, we know that there is a party going on in heaven. That you're patiently waiting. God, for us to come to you, that you wish that none of us should perish. And I'm believing in faith, God, that there are people who are going to hear this message and who are going to believe for the first time. And now their future is eternity in heaven where the old is gone and the new has come. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for giving us your word, even your word that is hard for us to understand, hard for us to digest, hard for us to get our human minds around. God, I thank you that you're patient with us even in that. And that you're not a God who punishes us for coming to you with questions or coming to you with doubts or even feeling fear. But you're the God who longs for us to run to you. And that's what we're doing. We're coming to you, God. We love you, we thank you. I thank you in advance for all that you're going to accomplish with your word. We love you, Jesus. Amen.